I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey there. Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Wonder no more. Welcome to Table Read Podcast, where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this. Talented actors giving incredible performances with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in, produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their chance to shine. You're listening to Muses and Stuff. This is the podcast that's all about the dolls. They were the groupies, the wives, the girlfriends, and the muses who played such a huge role in rock and roll history by simply being themselves. They were sweet, sexy, brave, and powerful. They went after what and who they wanted, and they made no apologies. We are your hosts, Shanti and Lynx. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hello. Hello. Oh my goodness. I'm scared to move. It's working. Okay. Let's, I'm just going to sit here. Let's do this. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Um, I'm great. I'm very excited to present to you the third and final Elvis and the women he loved. Yes. Saga. Yes. It's been exciting. He's an interesting man. Difficult man, but very interesting. Uh, I'm real excited to hear Ginger's story because I don't know anything about her. She's the only Elvis woman that I really... I know a little bit, but not like the real story. So yeah, I'm excited to dig in. And Okay. So this time I get to present the episode. Nice. Um, I got to learn about Anne-Margaret as well as Priscilla for the last couple of weeks. And... Before you had presented your episodes, I really didn't know much about the women who 
uh, he loved and who loved him back. And then you gave me Ginger Alden to read the story of Ginger, Elvis and Ginger. Mm-hmm. So I did and I loved it. Awesome. I really, really liked this book. Um, I, yeah, it just, it was funny, romantic, sweet. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You want to hear it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I absolutely do. All right. Well, this book that she wrote, which is called Elvis and Ginger, tells the story of the relationship between Ginger Alden and Elvis Presley over the course of nine months before his death. Yes. So right after Elvis died, she wrote down all of the memories that she could think of in as much vivid detail as possible. She granted a few interviews over the years, but because she got burned pretty early on after doing this, Mm -hmm. she kept the intimate details of the relationship to herself until this book. I'm glad she she wrote her story down for us to, to hear all about. Me too. And it was nine months, but it was a total whirlwind. Yeah. Yeah. And a very important, like, final, it's his final year, so... I mean, it really is a big piece of uh, his later life. Yeah. So I went into this. Um, I went into this book kind of blind because I had just known about Tura after the episode I had done, and so I felt like I was kind of coming into Elvis's world, just like Ginger was. Mm-hmm. She didn't have a lot of knowledge. She was twenty. He was forty-one when they met and started dating. So she really just got swept up into everything and had to learn as she went along, just try her best to adjust and fit into Elvis world. A lot like Priscilla. Uh, Priscilla was 14, a little younger, but still just uh, quite a shock going from, you know, just being a young woman to suddenly being the woman in Elvis's life, for sure. Right. So we... You know, we kind of feel like we're Ginger going into this, which was good. Um, So even though it was only a nine-month relationship, I have like eight pages of notes. So let's get into it. So she says, Many books have sensationalized and even fictionalized Elvis as being depressed and in a downward spiral during the last year of his life. However, the Elvis that I knew was not the way he was portrayed in the media. He saw his relationship with me as a new beginning and was excited about both the relationship and what the future would bring for the two of us. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, he definitely has been sensationalized and fictionalized. All I knew about Elvis during this period coming in was that he was overweight. Yes. Possibly on a lot of drugs. Yep. Um, that weren't good for him. So mm-hmm. like doctors over prescribing and possibly the colonel having under him, him under his control. Yeah. Um, I, th- I had heard that maybe he had shot a television. Multiple. Um, <laughs> that maybe, you know, he had died when he was on the toilet. Yeah. And so all of these things w- I will discuss in this episode. Okay, cool. So she says of their meeting that... It was a wonderful accident that turned into a life-altering nine months as I got to know a very complicated, intense man. The reasons I fell in love with Elvis don't fit neatly into a tidy, categorized list. There were things I felt my heart was telling me. 
I wanted to marry Elvis and spend my life with him because I loved him for his good heart and generous, kind spirit. She talks a lot about this generous and kind person who gave everything to everyone all of the time. Yeah, um, both Anne and Priscilla were also very um, adamant about that. uh, He was a tough man to be around, but he made sure to give back to all the people that he loved who were you know in his circle for sure wait till i tell you everybody who worked you know on the team um so she says this book is about the steep learning curve of a woman in love and loved by a man who most of the world could only experience from afar elvis could be difficult at times but for me his goodness and loving spirit greatly outweighed any faults Simply put, it's nearly impossible to understand what it's like to be pulled into the orbit of a man as powerfully charismatic as he was. Elvis had his own gravity, and his universe was unlike anything the average person is likely to experience or even come into brief contact with, other than a few select people in history lucky enough to be around supernova personalities or achievers who touch down on our planet from time to time. Lovely. So it really reminds me of David Bowie and, you know, people like Prince. And it's just like, it's true. This is what this podcast is about. It's about these people who got close enough, who were right place, right time, right circumstances. And they got to be the lucky few to truly get to know these earth angels or whatever we want to call them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean... Like, that's what I love hanging out with, like, certain musicians, too. Sometimes you're just in their presence, and you can see the way that, like, other people or fans are looking at them, and you're just like, ah. Yeah, you get to, like, experience, you get, you get like, the little offshoots of the magic, you know? I know. You definitely feel it when you're around certain and, people. Yeah, and you get a little something that you know that, like, there's people who would probably really want to be in this position but i'm lucky enough to be here if you can't tell i'm like still in my little like last couple of night and day like bliss train of you know reliving memories of yeah but uh, oh actually i'll just side note this really quickly uh somebody posted something on pamela debar's facebook about listening to the audiobook let's spend the night together and then i commented like yeah it's so great she adds in little tidbits here and there and this person was like oh chantelle are you working on your memoirs <laughs> and i was like i'm still living them right now <laughs> so exactly mm-hmm. with these amazing amazing people these amazing experiences okay so She says that Elvis was not a depressed or run-down man. Far from it. His world was filled with love, humor, generosity, sensitivity, and brilliance. He was a multifaceted... uh, He was multifaceted. He had a passion for music and a thirst for life. He enthusiastically made plans for their future and about eventually marrying her. It's so interesting to hear um, different women talk about Elvis so differently too Mm -hmm. yeah she would say that you know he did take on that like fatherly role um and then he would say things like he like she reminded him of his mother um which I think was probably a really great comfort to him at this time that's exactly the same thing he did with Priscilla I wish my mother could meet you yeah um do you think he was trying to mold her into the perfect woman like he did um 
I think that's probably why he went for these younger women because they 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 weren't like a fully formed woman yet. They were still malleable in yeah. a way. Yeah, yeah. I think he was a little less on that front, but yeah, you'll I'll get into it. Um, and then just before we get into the life of Ginger, um, she does also say that um, what does she say? She says, sorry, I'm just looking at my notes. Okay. The biggest lesson he taught her was that if anything came to you, that you need to kill it and get it behind you. So he said that like during tough times or something's bothering you or people are being shitty, he would say that it's pure Mickey Mouse shit and that there's always a bigger picture out there. He strongly believed that. Yeah. So... Let's get into Ginger. Ginger was born um, on November 13th, 1957 in Tennessee. Her father was ranked sergeant first class with the army. And her dad actually had an interaction with Elvis years before she met him. Um, Her dad took a trip to Graceland in 1957 on the army's behalf to speak to Elvis. He wasn't there, but Elvis went to the board office in 1958 because he was being drafted. Um, He arrived with his parents, and he had to make a phone call, so he ended up borrowing a dime from her dad, which Elvis later returned to Ginger in the form of a personal check for 10 cents. I saw she has a photo of it in the book. It's funny. It's really cute. So her dad went to Graceland again, and he was invited back with the family to watch an entire movie. Ginger was five at this time. She remembers that he patted her and her sisters and brother on the head and was really sweet and funny, joking about how her brother would take his how her brother could take his guitar from him because he said, "I can't play a thing." Because she lived in Memphis growing up, she knew who Elvis was, knew his albums, um, they were in her parents' collection, and it wasn't until September of 1976 that her sister Terry was in a pageant for the Miss America um, pageant representing the state of Tennessee. At this point, Elvis was dating around and asked to meet the new Miss Tennessee. Of course he did. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he had one of his people call Ginger's house, and just like that, Terry was invited to Graceland. Amazing. Mm-hmm. We also know, it, I think it was around this time, that when Elvis was looking out for dates, he had um, gotten, like, Pamela's information. Mm. And because Pamela DeBar was, or, you know, Pamela Miller at the time, was engaged to Michael DeBar, she turned down the invitation to meet Elvis. Amazing. It's interesting, too. He seems to have met a lot of his women by, like, other people um, bringing them to him type of thing. Exactly. It's like Elvis Tinder. Summon. I summon them, and then they, there they are. Yeah. So... Terry was a bit nervous about going alone because it was pretty late at night that he had invited them over. He had invited her (laughs) over for like 11 p.m. Um, Yeah. And so he had invited her late at night, which is kind of the first lesson in whatever Elvis wants, Elvis gets. And they were like, okay. And so their oldest sister, Rosemary, because there's three of them, suggested that the sisters all go together uh, to Graceland that night. So they asked the aide if it was okay. And he's like, just let me check. He checked. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, you guys can all come to Graceland. So 
She said that when they got there, that she felt like Alice stepping through the looking glass. And if you're curious to know what like the interior of Graceland looked like at that time, the book gives like she gives some really great descriptions. Mm -hmm. She talks about uh, the red shag rugs, the peacock stained glass windows and a bunch of his cousins sitting around smoking cigars and playing cards. Yes, you can look up photos of Graceland, too, and uh, it's pretty much the same, I believe. So they got there, and there was no sign of Elvis. Really? He wasn't ready for them. Even though he requested that they get there at that time, he was practicing karate. Karate, of course he was. (laughs) (laughs) So, of course. Um, So they're saying that even though it was late, the phones were always buzzing, not ringing. They never rang at Graceland. And so they sat around drinking soda. They got a tour of the whole place while they waited. And finally, they headed upstairs to his daughter's room, Lisa. um, And she knew that they must be meeting him soon because they had pretty much been through the entire house and hadn't met him yet. So... It's now almost 1 a.m., which is like a preview of some weird sleep schedules to come. Oh, yeah. He was always a night person. Mm -hmm. Always. Mm -hmm. Finally, he arrived. Ginger describes him. She says, Elvis had jet black hair and it was casually styled. There was no pompadour or glitzy outfit. Just Elvis dressed in a dark blue karate top, black pants and black boots. I was immediately attracted to him. His hair looked soft and shiny, his skin clean-shaven and smooth. Thinking he was gorgeous, my shyness flew right out of the window. Hi, Elvis, I blurted out as if I'd known him for years. (laughs) Hi, said Elvis. And then he shook their hands, acknowledging their names like he'd been informed who they were before they arrived. Okay. So, I don't know if it was like uh, Pulp Fiction where it was like, you know... Jules and uh, Vincent when... Anyways. I got you. Um, (laughs) So he knew who they were and he said that... uh, Or she said that he was a powerful presence and really put them at ease right away by joking around. So I think we can kind of relate to that when we were like, oh my God, we're going to meet this person. And then a few minutes in, you're like, oh, they're just like... A best friend automatically. They're funny and sweet. So he would joke with them like, you know, Miss Tennessee and um, Ginger had won one title and then he asked Rosemary, so what have you won? And she's like, oh, nothing. And he's like, oh, so you're Miss, Miss, misunderstood. (laughs) So he was polite, easy to talk to. And then at one point, he looked at Ginger with those blue eyes of his and said, Ginger, you're burning a hole right through me. (laughs) And she was kind of like, "Uh, who, me? (laughs) He showed them the rest of the upstairs and he took her soda from her hand and had a drink. Ooh. I know. (laughs) It distracted her so much that she made a wrong turn and then she felt his hands on her shoulders guiding her in the right direction. Getting touchy-feely. Oh, I can just imagine. <laughs> so, where he guided them was into... Can you take a guess which room it was? I'm guessing his bedroom. Yeah, <laughs> you nailed it. So, if anybody was paying attention last week, I told you to keep a keep yeah. your ears open yeah. for a couple of similarities. Oh, he yeah. brought them into um, the master bedroom... Um, 
it seems weird. And her and everyone else in her family, as long as the pe- as well as the people who work for Elvis, would come to spend a lot of time in his bedroom, Lisa's room, and in bed. She called Lisa Lisa, like Lisa Marie, yeah, just Lisa just in the Lisa. book. Okay. So while they were there, he sang them a song in the organ. He brought them into his closet. And as they were checking this out, George, the, one of the aides, said, Ginger, Elvis would like to see you for a minute. He's waiting for you. <laughs> Where was Elvis? Well, he was seated on his bed, of course. Of course. Um, he patted the side so she'd go and sit down. So this would be the first of many times they'd sit in bed and talk. And he said, did you notice that I was paying more attention to you than your sister's? <laughs> When I like someone, I really like them a lot. It's not just a fling. I don't like one night stands. I'm not like that street out there. If you cut me, I bleed. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry. I didn't think I was going to laugh. I'm like reading it to somebody else. Okay. <laughs> and then he got out his book of numbers and asked when her birthday was. This again oh. would be a long-standing tradition of sitting in bed reading, especially with some kind of book on numerology or spirituality. Yeah. She stayed into the early morning and then eventually she was like, shit, Elvis, like, I gotta go. And also, where are my sisters? And he's like, they went home hours ago. <laughs> and she was yeah. like, okay then. So she eventually... um goes home and then she went over like a couple of nights later and uh guess where they spent their second date on the bed on the bed (laughs) he wore a loose fitting navy jumpsuit and a black rhinestone belt with chains Oh my god, what I'm else Okay. <laughs> he sang her hymns, which comforted her, and she said he knew how to reach inside you and touch your soul with his voice. Well, I believe that one. Yeah. He said that everyone at Graceland, once they saw Ginger, knew that Elvis was going to like her over her sisters. Yeah. Possibly because she looks incredibly like Priscilla. Possibly. <laughs> All of a sudden, Elvis wanted to fly over Nashville. So they got in his private plane, the Lockheed Jetstar, and took a little cruise. But before they left, Elvis grabbed pajamas for everyone. Again, another long-standing tradition of spending a lot of 1976 in his pajamas. Oh, man. Yep. Uh, he would even, like, wear, when they would go out riding on his motorcycle, he'd leave his pajamas on underneath, like, all of the clothing. Or That's so bizarre. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they ended up flying to Las Vegas, and she realized that she was staying the night, and then she was giving match- matching pajamas to Elvis. She was hesitant because, what the fuck, but, like, well, this is Elvis, Elvis. so, you know. Hard to it's fucking say Elvis. No. So yeah. you put on those pajamas. <laughs> you put on those matching pajamas. Um, he didn't make a move, though. They just fell asleep holding hands. Sounds familiar. Yes. Okay. Um, if I don't come back to it, because I don't know if I made a note about it, just remind me about making love. Oh, I, I think I know what you're going to say. Okay. But yes. Um, yeah. So... She thought that they were going to check out Las Vegas a little bit, but like they just woke up the next morning, got in the Jetstar, flew back to Memphis. Um, So she didn't really get to see Las Vegas, but she did get a pretty sweet 
Elvis identification bracelet on the way, uh, like as the a one gift that he on used to wear. Yeah, cool. So they awesome got back, gift. Went into his room, and the date was not over. He kind of randomly pulled out a gun to show her, saying that it was for protection. And also, he said that people had attempted to attack him on stage, and he'd used karate on them. I don't think I mentioned this in Priscilla's episode, and I really should have. Almost immediately when Priscilla moved to Graceland, Elvis bought her a gun and made her carry it everywhere they Mm, went. mm -hmm. So they both always carried guns. Okay. Yeah. So it's not the last time we'll talk about a gun at uh, Graceland either. So after a few days went by, um, she went home. She didn't hear from him. But then she got a call from Joe Esposito, Elvis's road manager, requesting that that he said that she get her ass out there on tour with Elvis so she went um she was working at a little shop at that time was still pretty young and she was just like Meh. I would drop that job uh she yeah they were kind of like let her keep her job for a while anyways until she decided to leave it but she was like yeah I'm just gonna go hang out with Elvis um Elvis would speak with her mom on the phone and her parents really liked him um, so the, a couple of like more odd behavior things happened pretty straight away. So she was flown out to see Elvis. Um, she's still kind of, you know, on his schedule. So she gets there and basically she's left alone in a hotel room. Again, very familiar to Priscilla's story. So she's like, what up? Uh, Okay, I guess I'll just go to sleep. So she fell asleep. And then the next morning, she still hadn't heard anything. And she was like, well, I don't know what to do. And I think she went to sleep hungry too. But she didn't want to call room service because she didn't want to overstep any boundaries. So she woke up in the morning. She was pretty hungry. And then one of the aides had told her like, oh, yeah, you can like order room service. That's fine. And then finally, Elvis comes in and um is like don't ever eat without me again i want to eat together and then a a lot of these meals would end up being shared together in bed of course so what she found out later after elvis's death with that was that linda thompson had been there that night and uh, elvis came to collect her after linda which she came to realize for elvis was just another part of taking care of business yeah this is like exactly the same story as priscilla's like exact it's too bad that we didn't get linda's book i mean we didn't know. know about it before we started doing these we'll episodes cover her. But we'll cover her we'll, we'll do her soon mm-hmm. um so elvis had a lot of these aides they were family members staff people who'd come in and out to bring elvis things visit him and a lot of the times he preferred it when people came to visit him and when he was in bed Ginger says that um, he really scrutinized his own shows. He really wanted to put on the best performance for people. He sang to her. Um, she sat on stage near the soundboard, but she'd usually have to leave uh, halfway through the last song to get into the limo or the car that they were leaving in. But um, eventually he would make her wait and stay until the end so he could sing to her the last song, sort of dedicate the last song to her. Um, after... Only about a week, he started talking about engagement, about getting engaged and getting married. 
Hmm. Um, he taught her a lot of things. He like how to meditate. He was really into pyramids. So making a pyramid with his fingers, he would put it up to his third eye and he'd say things like the third eye, um, that the third eye was an energy center that's related to being able to relate our past experiences and life patterns so that we can put them into perspective through the wisdom of the sixth chakra, which was located or is located between the eyes. So if this chakra malfunctions, the symptoms might be a headache or eye tension okay so he taught her about chakras cool um he was really into connecting with his higher self um and just speaking about like going back and seeing some similarities with like priscilla and things like that she was at a show around this time with him and somebody asked for her autograph mistaking her for priscilla (laughs) so she was getting close with elvis's family particularly vernon and his wife um, she had been seeing someone before she met Elvis, um, but hardly ever saw him anymore because how many days she was with Elvis. And then um, Elvis asked her for a commitment and she said yes. And then he asked if she was dating anyone and she said yes. He wanted her to call him right then and there right, in front yeah. of him to break it off with him, but she thought that he deserved to be broken up with in person. So she said, Elvis, I can't do that right now. So because Elvis wasn't used to hearing no, this was one of the few, you know, freak outs that he had on her. Um, Or I guess one of the many, but this was kind of the beginning too. He stormed out of the room and of course there was a bunch of people watching this. She said, I realized for um, the first time that if Elvis and I continued our relationship, it would most likely be played out in front of his entourage and at times in the public eye. Absolutely. I was also going to have to come to terms with the fact that others might speculate about me and about my relationship with Elvis without fully understanding what was going on with us in private. Mm. Could I live with that? Yeah. um, Everyone has always known Elvis's business. Uh, The press always loved to talk about him. So that was definitely a big part of... Yes, exactly. So it was after this big fight and this big argument that they made love for the first time. Interesting. Does that remind you of anything? No, I just heard that they really did not make love. Often? Uh, yeah. Okay, so this was going to say if I didn't get to it, remind me. Oh. But anyways, here it is. This is what she says. I felt chills as he touched me. Was this it? Were we finally going to make love? I was aroused but anxious, barely able to breathe. I had been afraid of letting go of my feelings, terrified of being hurt by sleeping with Elvis, and then having him move on to someone else. But at this moment, I wanted to make love with him. I stayed completely still, letting Elvis open my robe and begin touching me. Okay, let's know what he says. I don't believe people. (laughs) I don't believe people should be completely undressed until they're married. Elvis said softly, kissing me again. Then, still partially dressed in our sleepwear, Elvis and I made love for the first time. 
This crazy tension in our heightened emotions made our intimacy all the more intense. Eldis's lips were soft and his kisses were filled with passion. He was gentle, yet I felt his determination to prove that he should be the only man in my life. Hmm. He succeeded. I was experiencing emotions and physical sensations that were completely out of control. And, in keeping with Elvis's TCB motto, it was all happening lightning fast. There was no doubt about it. I was falling in love with Elvis. It's really interesting that <laughs> uh, this no, no fully naked thing, since we know Priscilla and him did not make love until they were married... Yeah. But Priscilla talks about how they played games and they did other things. And um, I don't know about you, but I kind of assumed other things meant like, you know, whatever it was that Tura taught him how to please yeah, a woman. Yeah, exactly. So it is interesting. It's almost like he changed it to like, I don't think people should make love until marriage to I don't think people should be naked and tell well, me he obviously just wanted to keep his jammies on like, <laughs> loves yeah. his jammies so. he's like i don't know if you ever watched arrested development but there's a the character never knew. Yeah. <laughs> tobias shades oh. of elvis in there with his jammies oh. so by this time they were full blown in love and Ginger says that Elvis had turned my sleeping and eating patterns upside down and almost everything in my life as well. The new normal for me was that there was no normal. Mm. Lisa Marie began to visit. She was now eight, living in Los Angeles with Priscilla since the divorce in 1973. So they've been divorced for about three years, and we know that Linda Thompson was some there in, uh, somewhere in there in between. Yes. And they remain good friends. Cool. Um, when everyone was getting ready for a show, Lisa walked into Ginger's room that she was uh, getting ready in and innocently said, I thought you were Linda, which made Ginger wonder how many women had gotten close to Elvis and his family. <laughs> so even though Ginger wasn't a jewelry person, Elvis gifted her with an emerald necklace, a diamond necklace, and a watch. He really liked to give people gifts and gave her a car when he asked her what kind of car she thought he should get. Yeah, Elvis really loved giving people cars. Even he'd go to the car dealership and, like, give the car dealer Dealer. guy, like, he'd buy him a car. Well, at least he was generous with his money. Yeah. So after that show, Elvis, Ginger, Lisa, Vernon all went backstage to chill, and Roy Orbison and his wife Barbara were there. Elvis hugged his family and then went to sit with Ginger, where Roy and Barbara came and sat down with them. Elvis requested that she put her hand on his back to calm him down. Just like give him a little rub. She noticed how appreciative Elvis was of his fans and he met people and accepted their gifts. Like very often. Um, It was around this time that she started to notice strange food and pill routine things happening. Mm. Their relationship was new, so she didn't feel comfortable telling him what he should and shouldn't eat. He was served huge portions, like, say, lasagna, for example, like enormous portions, where he would sprinkle it with salt, get distracted, chat with whoever is in his room, sprinkle salt, get distracted, get it heated up. Sometimes he'd eat the whole thing, sometimes he wouldn't. She said he took water pills for bloating, always talking about how bloated he gets. I don't think that's bloating. I think that's all food. Yeah. But she said that after his shows, after he'd lose all of that sweat, he looked thinner. Yeah, for sure. 
In regards to the colonel, she didn't see much of him. Sometimes he'd stop by by the suite, but he and Alice always discussed their business in private. Like, they'd go to the bathroom. Like, that was his office. Um, I expected to read more about the colonel in this book, but she really didn't mention Elvis feeling one way or another about him. Neither did Priscilla. One time implying that he was annoying or that Elvis found him annoying, and that was about it. Yeah, she didn't really delve deep into that uh, either. Except, you know, that he relied on him a lot and whatnot. Yeah. So Elvis had some pretty funky healing methods, which, like, obviously I can get down with. Um, He had hurt his leg once and requested that Ginger and Larry help him cure his leg. So what they would do is concentrate on the hurt area and send a healing color, which was green, into the area where the pain was. They talked about the correlation between color and spiritual healing. They lit candles, and after that, Elvis's leg felt better. He told her about breathing techniques he learned in karate um, that would enable an individual to move objects without touching them and then demonstrated this by moving curtains. And she truly came to believe this, that he was a really magical person who could make these kinds of things happen, like clouds, parts, stuff like that. All right. Um, Elvis met her entire family, parents, sisters again, brother, flew them all out to the show. And even though... Her whole family was there. Elvis requested that she sit with his family instead, which she thought was odd, yeah, but also had to do like a, well, whatevs. Yeah. So her family was in one booth, but she had to sit with his family. Hmm. Back at Graceland, after this little tour, Ginger couldn't help but notice that there were pictures of Linda still in his room, and the bathroom of his bedroom was full of women's things. She mentioned it, and Elvis said that the things were... Um, with Linda were over and that the bathroom would soon be redecorated in ginger style. So at this point, he was buying her and her family tons of things. And he was really like, you know, she kind of understood that like, I come from humble, kind of humble means, a humble family. We all still live at home. He w- wanted to her to dress and look a certain way. Yes, of he, course. It, um, yeah. Took her shopping, all that. Mm-hmm. Yep. He didn't take her shopping, but she would go shopping with um, like his aides yeah. or her sisters. And then they would just like, the aide would step in and, gotcha. and pay for the money um, or pay for the uh, clothes. So you can understand too that like if you're going to kind of be with Elvis, he wants her to be seen in a particular way too. Like it would be kind of weird if she was... She had to get more on his level. So not only did he take care of her, she says, as I gradually sorted out faces and names, I realized that Elvis seemed to have taken on the responsibility of supporting a great many people. Uncles uh, worked um, as guards, family and friends lived on the grounds, and stepbrothers were on the payroll. Elvis's generosity was legendary, and nowhere was it more evident than at Graceland with his extended family and friends. But again, he preferred to stay upstairs in his PJs and have them come up and visit him. They would sit in bed for hours reading to each other. They watched TV, movies. Um, she talks about the shows he liked and disliked. Um, you know, sometimes they'd watch SNL and there'd be a parody of him and he'd be like, you know, you better watch it, boy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in good humor. Um, when it came to singing, Elvis believed that he'd been given a divine gift. He often told her that music is the universal language. He would get ideas for songs and um, go to the organ to work them out. So she got to experience the process of him actually creating music. 
That's awesome. Yeah. He had simple tastes in food, enjoyed what his cook Lottie made. He liked steaks, hamburgers with the buns steamed in butter. He called them Lottie burgers. She had her first taste of Canadian bacon with Crowder peas. I don't know what that is, but I guess that was another one of his favorite meals. Priscilla mentions that he liked everything practically burnt as well. <laughs> like medium or well done was like rare to him. Mm. Um, he gave both her mother and sisters diamond rings. Um, bought Ginger another car. And she was noticing his weird eating habits more and more, remarking that Elvis ate large portions, um, but he did like yogurt. So she was like, hmm, maybe this is a good thing. Well, it turns out that there's like a weird or yogurt story that I've got for you. Um, so one time he was on the phone. She came into the room and he passed her the phone and said, um, he like, take this phone. And he said, tell her to, how to care for me. She was confused, but took the phone. It was Priscilla. So she, instruct, she was instructed that see that he eats right and gets plenty of rest. Okay, she said, and quickly handed the phone back to Elvis. So that's what uh, Priscilla said, that she wants Ginger to make sure that he eat right, eats right and gets plenty of rest. Um, she overheard Elvis telling uh, Priscilla that Ginger was the prettiest girl he's seen in a long time. And afterwards, he told Ginger, I'll always love Priscilla, but she's the mother of my child. Because she's the mother of my child. But I let her go. What hurt me was that her boyfriend, Mike Stone, said that I couldn't see Lisa. Interesting. Well, I know, right? It's not quite what well, uh, Priscilla said. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ro- uh, Rosemary also started enjoying the books that Elvis liked, saying that she enjoyed the mystery of the spiritual philosophies. One of his favorite books was the autobiography of a yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda. He also admired David Onria's book through the eyes of the masters, which expounded on the belief that a person could incarnate into another person's body. Mm. Elvis felt that there was a force inside him guiding him to teach and bring joy to others in various ways, especially through music. So he read these um, hooks to understand his own life or these hooks, these books to understand his own life, but also to help others as well. Yeah, he was really big on the spirituality and trying to figure out why we're here and those types of things. He explained his intellectual and spiritual interests to her. He had studied chakras and explained that this meant wheel center. A chakra channel um, channels life force, feelings, memories, and thoughts. They discussed kundalini, which is also life force. It's a spiritual energy resting in the body. So it's like a sleeping serpent coiled around the base of the spine, like where uh, your sacrum is, where your root chakra is. He ended up um, like touching the bottom of her spine and applying pressure he said that this is the spiritual energy um that could be aroused and released its power was enormous and could bring one to an enlightened state he taught her about acupressure pressure points all that shit so she said that it was fascinating and illuminating to talk about philosophy and numerology with elvis but that it could be tiring yeah priscilla got bored easily by that stuff as well yeah so do you want to hear the weird yogurt story yeah tell me okay so as we know elvis could be compulsive about a lot of things one day ginger noticed that he had eaten about eight containers of yogurt okay (laughs) when he woke up from a nap he requested more yogurt 
This concerned her as she had yet to see him exercise besides the little bit of karate he was doing and then the karate moves he did on stage. She told him that she didn't think he should eat any more yogurt. They both went back to sleep (laughs) until she was awakened by a shot fired from a a .357 Magnum. I don't really know how to say that. But some kind of gun (laughs) putting a bullet above the headboard. She explained that he wanted more yogurt. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. He explained that he wanted more yogurt and that this was an attention getter. She was bewildered. Rosemary had slept over that night, so she went from that room crying to Rosemary. So he shot the, like, the... She's sleeping in bed. Oh, my God. And he shoots the headboard. That would be the most terrifying way to wake up I can possibly think of. So, so... I want my yogurt. Oh, my God. So... She goes to Rosemary's room crying. (laughs) After a while, Elvis comes in looking remorseful. He walks in, takes her and Rosemary by the hand, and starts praying. He says, God, don't let us lose it. God bless my family (laughs) and Ginger's family, and please don't let us break up. She told him he couldn't act that way and writes, Did I think that he would intentionally harm me? No. Did I think Elvis was used to getting what he wanted? (laughs) Yes. Yes. So. One. So he would come to display strange behavior, especially in those moments like after coming out of a sleep or Mm. like around the time he was taking the medication that was apparently helping him sleep. Yeah. uh, Priscilla mentions that too. Like he would wake up for instance at noon but no, everyone knew not to talk to him or anything until like after three like there were hours there where he had to kind of get out of that zone oh man so one of the daily fears that elvis had was for lisa's safety like his daughter's safety and one day ginger had asked if she could take lisa to the mall and he was like yeah sure so she took her to the mall and when they got back he was like furious because they hadn't taken a bodyguard and she did mention when she was at the mall people stopped and was like is that elvis's daughter because she was a spitting image yeah so he was mad at her and she was like well you said i could take her out and he said he had no recollection of saying that that was okay Hmm. so when she wasn't at graceland they would speak twice a day on the phone once when she was woken up and once before bed So lots of people were working in and out of Graceland. um, And once when Vernon was visiting Elvis, um, said, doesn't Ginger look like Mama when she was young? So they continued to meditate together. And she said that her favorite moments were when she rested her head against his chest and he stroked her hair. Another strange time was when she wanted to go to a movie with Rosemary and told their mom that if Elvis called to just tell them that they're gone to a movie. When they got out of the car at the movie theater, an aide intercepted them because Elvis wanted her to go shopping for her family. He wasn't even there, but Rosemary and Ginger went and bought coats for everyone. Um, Elvis wanted them to buy mink coats, but Rosemary had found a fox she really liked. So the aide called to see if she could get that instead. But Elvis said, mink only. Wow. He was so, like, demanding of what he wanted and... Mm. Jesus. It was around this time that he started playing Unchained Melody a lot. 
Mm. Um, she says that he had a wicked sense of humor and that he could make off-color remarks that nobody would ever think that he would say. Like, they would be shocked to hear him because he doesn't talk like that in any of his movies or anything. Um, their family uh, started getting closer and Elvis starting, started to talk about Ginger's family moving closer to Graceland. He really wanted to set her parents up for a nice retirement. Um, Elvis loved her family and got along great with her mom, who's really into the Bible. So they stayed up late discussing gospel and whatnot. Elvis stayed over sometimes, um, which she said was a real trip. He noticed that Rosemary had a black and white TV and immediately had someone over bring over a color TV. Mm-hmm. On January 26th, she was watching uh, TV in Lisa's room with him when he left the room for a while. Then he was gone for so long that she started to get concerned. Bringing her into his dressing area, he sat her down and said, Ginger, I've been searching for love so long, and I've never in my wildest dreams did I ever think I would find it in my own backyard. I've been about 60% happy and 40% happy, but never 100%. I've loved before, but I've never been in love. Ginger, I'm asking you, will you marry me? Wow. Interesting. So in a green velvet box was the most beautiful ring she had ever seen. It had a huge center diamond with six smaller ones around it. He placed the ring on her hand and said, God will come through me and tell me when the time is right for our wedding. Are you ready? Can you cope with my lifestyle? Yes, she answered. He continued. There will be a lot of people jealous of you, but you should always be a lady. And if negative things are ever said... Just bow out gracefully. I will, she said. And she writes, I was clueless at that bright moment in our lives as to just how deep and biting those jealousies would become. I was also unaware of how close some of the people around Elvis were to the other women in his past and how loyal they would remain to these women. I only knew that I loved Elvis and hoped his feelings for me were as deep as what I felt for him. I was willing to wait to marry him until the time felt right to Elvis and intended to leave it all up to him. But for now, having a ring on my finger made me realize that he was as deeply committed to our relationship as I was. We were going to build a future together, and I was never happier. I'm glad. uh, I think I would last maybe like two weeks with him before I would be like, no, no, Mm. and like run away. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, At this point, Ginger's parents' marriage was crumbling and they had started talking about getting a divorce. She finally opened up to Elvis about this. And of course, right away, he wanted to do something to help out in any way that he could. Ginger said that it was impossible for him to be a passive listener because he always wanted to get involved. Um, So he invited her mother and sisters to his next show And, um, you know, took the opportunity to talk to her mother about the relationship. And it was during the show that he told the crowd that he had all the little Aldens there, including Miss Tennessee, and then invited Terry up to play the piano. She was pretty shocked and kind of pissed at him, but she played a quick song and then told Elvis that she'd get him for it later. Mm -hmm. He did love her family and even offered and tried to hire her brother as a guard um, and spoke with the dad about their marriage as well. 
Um, as we kind of like mentioned before, Elvis really liked motorcycles and so did Ginger. And so finally he was taking her on rides on his motorcycle and it was one of her favorite memories, especially if there were no aides that were with them. So it was just a rare occasion where it was just the two of them alone. One time he stopped to pee and girls recognized him. So he signed autographs for him. So she said he always took the time to do stuff like that. So they took a trip to Hawaii and she brought her sisters. Um, she said she had never seen Elvis drink, but at this time he had three Mai Tais and started marching in place and then standing on the couch and jumping on the cushions. Um, sounds like exactly like me after I've had three drinks. <laughs> but he had to stop because he said that he had high blood pressure and was taking pills for it, something that she did not know. Hmm. So he stayed in the hotel a lot because their hotel was pretty popular beach and word gets around pretty fast when Elvis goes somewhere. So she was kind of surprised, like, why did we get um, a hotel, like, on a busy beach? Why didn't we get somebody somewhere secluded and isolated? But uh, anyways, they went out. They went swimming, like, her sisters, and he stayed in. And um, he was wearing those jumpsuits that you had noticed when you had seen the pictures of him in Hawaii. Oh, yeah, you were like, what is uh, he wearing? Yeah, yeah. So she ended up buying him a couple of nice shirts, like nice loose fitting and like breezy shirts for him. Um, And when they did go out once, they had a really good time and Joe started taking pictures and Ginger realized for the first time that she really didn't have any pictures of Elvis and definitely didn't have any pictures of them together. She wanted to respect him and didn't think it was right to have a camera out. It's like, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I always feel weird about just suddenly throwing a camera into a mix oh there's like no musician who if you're like invited into their like little private world that is going to feel comfortable with anybody whipping out an iphone and taking like yeah an instagram story anyways um one of the wives of like the aides were there her name was shirley and she had ended up being really close with priscilla and she can't remember, I can't remember if it was Joe's wife or like the doctor's wife, but um, she told Ginger that Priscilla had asked if they were engaged. And she said, so the Shirley woman told Priscilla, well, she has an engagement ring. So she then told Ginger that she should put pressure on Elvis to set a date. Ginger was really suspicious about this because she knew Elvis wanted to choose it and that he would get a signal when the time was right. So from that day on, she kept this woman at a distance and her guard realized that her guard had to be up with a lot of people. Mm. She described the amount of fun they had, how they wrestled and chased each other, um, how they'd play together, you know, put shaving cream on each other's faces and like that he was a big kid. Um, But, you know, a lot of weird shit happened too. For example, Elvis was crushing papaya juice like it was his job and then he ran out of it. He requested that an aide go and get more and Ginger knew that this amount of juice wasn't healthy and let him know, hey, maybe you should drink some water. This is a lot of papaya juice. Well, to nobody's surprise... (laughs) Elvis freaks out. Yes. He left the room in a huff. And after a few minutes, and this is still in Hawaii, someone told her that Elvis wanted to see her. He accused her of not loving him because of this and said that they were leaving Hawaii now and that it was because of her. (laughs) 
she was thinking that it was because of the medication that he was acting this way and that he was lecturing her about this. Um, as he was lecturing her, she walked out of the room on him and shut the door. He came flying into the room with a wild look in his eyes and hit her on the side of her ribs with an open hand and said, no one ever walks out on me when I'm talking. So obviously she started crying and he realized what he'd done and said he was sorry and that he understood that she was only trying to help him. She was concerned that he'd be freaked out over yogurt and papaya juice. Like, how would she speak to him about her concern over the medication he took? Yeah, Priscilla was always terrified of uh, Mm -hmm. trying to have that conversation as well. Um, Okay. What the hell? This one. Okay. So, um, when they got back from Hawaii, he had redecorated the bathroom in all of her favorite colors. Um, Elvis's eyes were acting up, and that's when she found out that he had glaucoma, which is why he, like, after performances, wanted some, like, cold conferences on comp compresses on his eyes to soothe him um when they got home he brought her to the trophy room um and was pretty much just like handing her stuff um for her to take um he gave her his huge diamond ram head necklace and emeralds and diamonds and he instructed her to wear them with all black so his generosity wasn't just reserved for her. He gifted everything um, from first jewelry to cars and homes to his nurses, aides, doctors, relatives, and friends of AIDS. Yeah, everyone was, uh, if, you, if you were part of his circle in any way, he mm-hmm. made sure to show his appreciation. He opened her up a bank account and at that time put $5,000 in it and gave her um, a credit card, which she never really used um she met priscilla around this time because elvis had had a bit of a stint in the hospital after passing out after a show and um he ended up getting like becoming friends with a nurse and wanted her to go back to graceland get her ring and show it to or no he wanted her to come to the hospital and show the nurse her ring but she kept it in a jewelry box at uh graceland because she was like worried about so she he wanted her to go all the way back there so he she could show yeah a nurse yeah and at that time um priscilla was hanging out in lisa's room with lisa at graceland and they finally met and she said that like priscilla was very kind Mm -hmm. they talked about dogs they talked about owning dogs and stuff like that um now probably here's the one of the craziest stories in the whole book and that's when they were in bed and the commode as she called it another word for toilet yes in the bathroom started making noise so elvis leaves the room and comes back with a shotgun she screams elvis what are you doing and he answered with a barrage of shotgun <laughs> shots oh. Shots fired, she says, blasting his toilet to smithereens. That's one way to... Well, she was pissed. She said that it seemed like he would do things like that just to, like, see what I can do to get a reaction out of people. So she just leaves, and as she's walking downstairs, she sees the mess it's caused, water leaking through the ceiling. So she's freaked out, goes home, ends up just, like, breaking down, telling her mom about everything, including the Hawaii incident, which she didn't tell anyone before. So he called her, and she ignored him, but eventually an aide came to her house, and Elvis wanted her brought back to Graceland, so they went. 
She found him in his room reading the prophet, which he relied on for comfort and wisdom, especially when it came to love. The toilet had been fixed and no one had said anything. She suspected because Elvis had asked them not to say anything or they were used to this kind of behavior. Yeah. Um, one of Priscilla's uh, stories about him shooting up the televisions were that Robert Goulet really used to piss Elvis mm. off. Robert he, Goulet. He thought that he had no talent because he didn't sing with emotion. And so she says he was the cause of numerous televisions uh, being blasted away. Oh, my God. <laughs> so things smoothed over. And they continued to talk about their future. He told her that uh, Vernon said that Elvis reminded him of a little boy with Ginger and that his mother would really have liked her. He also said that he always, um, that his mother said that he should marry a brown-eyed girl because they'd be more faithful. They talked about having children. Elvis said that he wanted a boy and if they had one, that maybe they'd name him Jesse. Two more shooting incidents happened, both in Lisa's room. He both um, he shot both the TV and the phone, and both times she just ended up staying. But he never did it again, and when they were together, she says um, that her influence, she hopes, was rubbing off on him. Did she ever talk about them having fights about her family being around? No. It's so interesting. No, it sounds like he wanted her family around. It, yeah. And he was flying them places and he'd visit and he was always talking to them on the phone and getting involved in their It's business. interesting because in Priscilla's book, she talks about how Elvis would call her complaining that she would be spending more time with her family. Mm. Nope. She didn't mention that. So at this point, you know, he's teaching her karate. She was full on in his world and she ended up giving up her job and was ready to be there for Elvis in every way. Um, one more outburst did happen when they were together and it was when they were in bed and he mentioned that he wanted to lose some weight. She would see his fluctuations um, and she thought that, yeah, it was probably a good idea. So after he had mentioned losing the weight, he called down to the kitchen for some ice cream. No. Against her better judgment, she said, Elvis, I thought you were trying to lose weight. And when the ice cream came, he smashed it against the wall. Yeah. After a few silent minutes, he apologized. Yeah. They talked more about their marriage. He took her to his other homes and said that they could fix them up in any way she wanted. Um, He brought her wedding dress shopping. They were really getting close and she was getting closer to his family. He mentioned they could have their wedding in Colorado or at Graceland and they even started writing out wedding guest names. They had decided, um, well, they were like, should we get married on my birthday, your birthday or Christmas? And they decided to get married on Christmas. They had been looking at pictures together and the back and on the back of one Elvis wrote, God gave me to you, God gave you to me, which she cherishes. That's lovely. They would do things like rent out Liberty Land and roller coaster parks and her family plus Lisa and Ginger's niece would all go and play and do things like that. Um, they talk about um, Gin- or about Lisa like on a little golf cart, just like cruising around Graceland. Um, Ginger's parents ended up divorcing and Elvis said that he would pay for her mother's house and put in a pool and landscaping. Things were financially tough for her mother. So they were all really super grateful about this. And he said, don't worry about it. Like I'm going to pay off your everything. It's amazing too, because we know from after his death, he really had like no, I mean, he had money left. He had like about a million, but you you think, especially with all his 
spending that he just has multiple, multiple millions just, but uh, no, he didn't. So he, he was still like working for money to like keep up this kind of lifestyle. Right. So in August, he started getting serious about losing weight and was eating less yogurt and drinking more water. He told Ginger that if she wanted to start painting again, that he'd build her an art studio for her. That's lovely. Mm Mm-hmm. So the closer it came to tour time, um, the harder Elvis would have a hard, or the harder time Elvis would have sleeping. So he would often take like double doses of his pills. Um, She was one day having like bad period cramps and took Tylenol and codeine and was going to join the tour late that like they were so bad. And so she was on the phone with her mom to tell her that she ended up changing her mind and she would go with the whole family after all because the whole family was going to go on tour. It was um, 2.20 in the afternoon and she had just woken up after like having a nap because she wasn't feeling well and her mother asked, where's Elvis? She didn't know, so she hung up the phone to check on him. And that's when she found him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So she found Elvis and he had died. Sure enough, the story is true and he had been in the bathroom um, when something happened to his heart and he fell forwards and she found him lying on Uh his side um, when she came in. Um, And Lisa Marie was visiting at the time. She was. So um, they tried their best to kind of keep Lisa out of the room when they started kind of calling up for the doctor and things like that. And Lisa had run around to the other side to try to get into the other door um, to see her dad. Mm -hmm. She was young. Yeah. Um, I wonder, does she have a book? Um, I don't think so. Hmm. Not yet, at least. Um, so it ended up coming out later that his aunt had given him an extra packet of pills that day. Um, other than that, it's hard to say what really happened, even though Elvis's doctor ended up losing his license in the future. The whole lifestyle probably contributed to that death. Mm-hmm. So she had lost Elvis. They had hoped, like everything that they hoped and dreamed and planned was gone. Um, and things started to go from awful to worse, if you can believe it. It turns out against Elvis's um, wishes, the mortgage payments on her mother's house had not been paid. And actually, she um, would have to take on everything from that time. Not only that, but they were two payments behind and she'd have to make up for those mortgage payments. That's that's awful. That's right. So not only that, but they were... Yeah, so it was fucking terrible. The only consolation they provided was that now with the pool and landscaping that they could sell it for more money. So they had a lawyer look into it, but since it was only a verbal agreement, nothing was done about it and she had to resume payments. She talks about her great emotional pain. The medical examiner ended up ruling the death as, I wrote Karina, I don't know if that's a spelling mistake, cardiac arrhythmia with severe cardiovascular disease present. All of that at age 42. A lot of untruths started happening. Joe had told everyone that it was he who found Elvis that day. And the one interview that Ginger did grant, she was completely misquoted and they had used the stolen picture of Elvis in his casket for the headlining photo. That is so horrific and awful. Oh my God. That's so terrible. 
At the funeral, Priscilla hugged Ginger and told her, Ginger, I know how much Elvis loves you. More bad things continued to happen. Two teenage girls were hit by a drunk driver on Elvis Presley, Boulevard, uh, Elvis Presley Boulevard at a sort of memorial. Someone tried to steal Elvis's body um, at the cemetery, but eventually he and his mother were moved to Graceland and, and laid to rest there. His mother, um, sorry, his money went to Lisa and Vernon. She had not been written into his will because she said they thought about life, not death. She cried a lot, was so sad, barely left her house, and her mom slept with her often in her bed for comfort. They ended up getting something in the mail for her mom saying that if Elvis would have lived, the payments on the house would have been made in full. Rumors circulated that Ginger was banned from Graceland, but when she spoke to Vernon, he said, you are always welcome and don't believe anything unless it comes from me. She dreamed about Elvis, and when she did, she missed him even more. She says that things remained difficult for a long time, but eventually she began to heal. Thanks to her family and numerous Elvis fans who sent her beautiful letters, she started to become okay again, and she tried to reply to every single one of them. When Elvis's body was moved to Graceland, she was invited as the first person to visit, so she went with her mother. It's hard to imagine that less than a year before, she walked into Graceland for the first time. Um, all of her and her siblings pitched in to help her, to help her mother with mortgage payments. Um, and Ginger went to work and got into acting. And someone approached her asking her if she wanted to play a part in a movie about a country western star that um, that she'd be the love interest who gave the backstage view of life on the road and what went on behind the scenes and that her sisters could have roles as well. It ended up turning into something she didn't want, which was a movie based loosely on Elvis's life, but she had signed a contract and couldn't get out of it. Oh, that's so bad. And I'm sure everyone just thought she was kind of cashing in or whatever. That's terrible. Around this time, she was subpoenaed to appear in court um, to speak about the medication Elvis had taken, but she just told them what she knew, which wasn't much. From 1986 to 1991, she went back and forth from New York and L.A. doing print campaigns, commercials, guest spots on shows, um, and spent six months on soap opera on the soap opera Capital. She met her husband in 1991 and devoted her life to raising their son. And once he went off to college, she decided it was time to write this memoir. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting because Priscilla talks a lot about... Um, Elvis and her chatting about, you know, both Linda and Ginger. And yeah, she would say like, he definitely deeply cared for both, even if he complained about them and, you know, made remarks like, oh, I want to get back with you. But I guess he also knew like that wasn't ever ha going to happen. So I guess that was just his way of whatever. Exactly. So she says, when my son went off to college... There was a huge space in my daily life, so I decided now was the time to embark on the journey of finally writing this memoir. I knew that it would take every ounce of my energy, focus, and ability. I am not a writer, but I wanted to do this myself, have it be in my voice and not that of a story told by a ghostwriter. It's really good, too. It's so good. 
She says, I had written down so many of my experiences after Elvis died to preserve my memory of him for myself. I had to mine the deep recesses of my memory and bring myself back to those nine months to relive the unique experiences and the powerful emotions of that time. It was not easy and the process was sometimes very painful, but I gave great thought and great time to the effort of being as accurate as possible and sharing what I experienced. Writing this book was a long and arduous task. No one can explain love, but I had an amazing story to tell about one of history's most influential performers and a complex and wonderful man. Just as you can't capture lightning in a bottle, and just as a photo was only a two-dimensional representation of a multi-dimensional moment, I knew it would be almost impossible to portray what it was like to be in love with and loved by Elvis Presley, for him and myself and for history. Whatever I wrote would surely fall short off the mark, yet I felt I owed it to him, to myself, and to his fans to try. In writing this book, I have given it my very best effort, and in life, that is all one can do. In this book, I surely did that, and for, for me, and with all humility for Elvis too, as a way of honoring him and the love that we shared. Well, that's really beautiful. Thank you uh, for doing the research on this. I'm excited to actually read this now. If it's that good, I'm definitely going to check it out. It's definitely worth it. So thank you to Ginger Alden for writing this beautiful book. Thank you to Lynx for giving it to me. I hope that you all enjoyed Elvis Month. Thank you for listening and tuning in as always. We really appreciate your kind words, your love, your support, and your listenership. Yeah, it's uh, it's always exciting when we get together and we uh, share these tales. That's right. Thank you very much, everybody. And we'll see you next week. See ya. Hello, friends. This is Mark Nell, executive producer of the Table Read podcast, where imagination meets performance. As we wrap up an incredible season one, we want to take a moment to express our heartfelt gratitude to each and every one of you who tuned in and supported us on this amazing journey. Season one was nothing short of extraordinary. We delved into captivating scripts that transported us to worlds beyond our imagination, thanks to the brilliant writers who delivered these works. But what really brought these stories to life were the talents of our amazing actors. But wait, the excitement doesn't end there. As we bid farewell to season one, we are thrilled to announce the launch of season two. Get ready for more gripping narratives, more unforgettable characters, and more mesmerizing performances that will keep you on the edge of your seat. We have some big surprises coming. The Force will definitely be with you. So stay tuned, stay engaged, and most importantly, stay excited. From all of us at the Table Read Podcast, thank you, and let's make season two even more memorable together.